Well, once again, I want to welcome you here to Big Valley Grace, uh, especially those of you that are visiting with us. And once again, welcome over in the, the venue. Thank you, Pastor Rick, for uh, leading uh, that over there, and Ben for leading worship, and Jackie, sure appreciate all of you. And for the hundreds that are watching online right now, we're glad you're with us. We have a huge online audience. Um, maybe you're listening on the radio. We're glad you're, you're with us also. Um, if you have a Bible, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, that's all right. All of the verses, or most of them, will be inside your little note thing that we create for you, or they'll come up on the jumbotrons so that you can see the, the Word of God for your, yourself. Um, before I, I get into this, uh, l- let me just make a, a comment about all these backpacks up here. Um, obviously, we've got one more gathering to, to go, um, but this is uh, really a, an incredible act of generosity by all of you. We do this every year, and these backpacks, for those of you that are visiting, are filled up with stuff, pencils and, I don't know, protractors, <laughs> rulers, uh, everything a, a student would need and uh, some of them for high school kids, some of them go all the way down to elementary age. And these don't go to really anybody in our church. I mean, we'll give out some. Most of the people that attend here are, are okay. We, we, we're, we're okay. You know, we, we, we make a, a, enough. But there are kids in our town and other sections of our town, and they don't have anything. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, that's not okay. And... Um, and so we give all of these out to primarily, um, we work with the Gospel Mission and some other, the Vine House, and uh, they're just another part of our city, and those are people made in God's image too. And we just wanna make sure that, that those children have all that they need to be successful in school. And, uh, and here's the deal, inside each of these, we also put a Gospel of John and we know that when these are handed out, because we've heard from kids and from teachers and things, that there are many students that see that Gospel of John, and they've, they, they've never seen the Bible before. There's a generation out there that they don't even, they don't even know what the Bible is. So most of us in this room, you know, I, I didn't grow up knowing the Lord, but we had a Bible in our house. There's a generation out there, that they've never seen the Word of God. They've, they don't have a Bible in their home. They've never read it. They don't know anything about the God of the scriptures. And so they'll open that up, and it's amazing how the Lord will use that. It's not too late. Maybe some of you are going, wow, man, you know what, I, I, I forgot. Bring them down here on Tuesday, before Tuesdays. Bring them to the office so we can get them over there uh, so that we can continue to be a, a blessing to other um, human beings in our city. Uh, this past week, uh, this place didn't look like this. We had our... Uh, our VBS program, we call it Kids uh, Campus around here, 500 young uh, boys and, and girls and 150 workers, and, and there was, um, we, we pretty much trashed the place. It was unbelievable, and, and for a good cause. You know, I have, uh, you know, one child still in this age bracket, and one child in my home can cause a disaster. Imagine 500 in this place uh, for four hours. But it was a beautiful disaster. And uh, there were, um, we know of uh, at least 50 children who made a first time profession of faith during the week that we had BBS. Yeah, amen. 
And what's inside here is uh, pretty, um, th th this is a, a weighty little container here. We had the boys and girls write down the names of some of the friends that they go to school with. Um, it could be cousins or, you know, whatever that don't know Jesus. And inside of this little container here is over 1,200 names of um, kids who don't know the Lord yet that these kids, uh, us as a staff, uh, I'm going to take this to our elder board meeting on, on Monday, and I want to invite you to pray because these kids are going to invite these folks to, uh, to church and to some of the events that we have. And, and so let's partner together with our children to see what God might do um, uh, through, through, uh, through their lives, okay? So this is a, a, a pretty significant little box there. It's not important. We know who those kids are. God knows who they are, but you need to pray, all right? Well, uh, two weeks ago, we started a, a new series here at Big Valley Grace where we're going through the book of Ephesians together. It was really a, a letter that the great apostle Paul wrote to a church, uh, Christians, in a city called Ephesus. He wrote uh, this letter about 30 years after the resurrection of Jesus. So when you look at the book of Ephesians, it's a letter. Pa Paul writes a letter. He mails it off, you know, snail mail. <laughs> and it was really snail mail back then. And uh, it arrives at a church just like this church, except for, you know, the churches back then didn't have buildings like this and all of that, probably met in a home. And uh, the pastor of that small little church would have said, hey folks, I have a letter here from Paul. And uh, so they all would have gathered together and the pastor of that church would have read that letter to that group of Christ followers. And probably he read that letter more than once. There were probably times when he would do what we're doing and go through it a little section at a time just to make sure that they all understood exactly what the great apostle uh, was, was saying. And so far, we've looked at seven major truths. We've uh, seen the truth that God has blessed you, the truth that God has loved you, the truth that God has chosen you, the truth that God has adopted you, the truth that, that God sent Jesus to shed his blood for you, the truth that God made his wisdom and understanding available to you, and the truth that God revealed the mysteries of his will to you. And each of these seven truths are, are weighty. They're the things that every Christian needs to know and they need to understand. These are the kinds of things that you, in, uh, you know, on your lunch hours or uh, throughout the week, you need to take that note sheet and continue to bore down on these kinds of truths. You need to spend some time right here. Philippians chapter 4 says this, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Beloved, these seven truths that we've looked at over the past two weeks are true. They are honorable, they are right, they are pure, they are lovely, they are admirable, they are excellent, they are worthy of praise. In other words, these seven truths are the kinds of things that Paul says we should fix our thoughts on. The Christian life, my friend, involves proper thinking. And we live in a culture where, you know, 
All of the, the cruddy music that's out there just fills our minds with thoughts. Uh, the television shows, just crummy. Uh, movies that are made. You, you can't even drive down uh, McHenry Avenue and not see billboards that just have just crummy thinking on them. And so you just, you know, wake up and, you know, in the morning, go to work, and you're bombarded with all kinds of crummy thinking. And we can't get away from that. But what we have to do is say, you know what? I've got to counteract that with this kind of thinking. I've got to spend time in the Word of God. Romans chapter 12 says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. You want to change your life, you want to change your marriage, you want to change how you operate your business or whatever that is, it all begins right here with how you think. The great prophet Isaiah said this, you, that's God, will keep in perfect peace all who trust you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. The promise here from God is, is look, you put this thing right here on godly things and he'll give you peace. He doesn't say he'll make your life easy. Jesus already said in this life you're going to have troubles. He doesn't say your life will be easy if you think about the Lord. He doesn't say you know, everything will you know, come up roses if you keep your mind fixed on the Lord. No, he just says I'll keep you in peace in the midst of all the junk in the midst of all the trials and the troubles and the cancer and the whatever all the stuff is that goes on in life. There'll be a, a peace in the, 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 the middle of it. And so I hope that throughout the week you're finding some time to meditate on these truths that we're looking at. One of the things that I, I love about God is that he wants his people to think. In fact, it's one of the distinguishing marks of a follower of Jesus. Thinking. Thinking. Too many believers kind of run their lives on how they feel. And I don't really care how you feel. Feelings have no IQ. You can't educate your feelings. Most of the times, feelings are pretty much irrational. Now, God gave them to us, and I'm glad we have them, but it's not, um, Jesus didn't say, and um, uh, your feelings will set you free. <laughs> no, your feelings will probably get you into trouble. It's the truth that'll set you free. I don't care how you feel. What I care about is what do you think? What do you know to be true? That's what, what, what matters. Now today I'm gonna to give you one more, okay? Number eight, God gave you uh, his Holy Spirit. God has given you his Holy Spirit. Look at our text, Ephesians chapter one, look at verse 13. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, when you trusted in Christ, when you gave your life over to Christ, he identified you as his own, how? By giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased uh, us to his, be his own people. And he did this so that we would bring praise and glory to him. Now today I'm gonna to devote my entire time to the topic of the Holy Spirit. 
And it would be impossible for me to cover all that there is to know about the Holy Spirit in one message. In fact, I'm convinced that I could take a whole year, 52 weekends, and uh, just preach on the Holy Spirit, all that the Word of God, Old Testament, New Testament has to say about the Holy Spirit, and I would just begin to be scratching the, the surface of it. But I do want to give you a, a, a thought or, or, or two as it relates to the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'll give you some facts here real quickly. Number one, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. He's the third person of the Holy Trinity. You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to know, you don't find the word Trinity anywhere in the Bible. But you obviously see the concept of the Trinity all throughout the Bible. In fact, in Genesis chapter 1, the very first book of the Bible, it says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, was hovering over the surface of the waters. You see the Holy Spirit literally in the first uh, few verses of Scripture. Then you get to verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1, and it says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image and in our likeness, to be like us. Well, who's the us? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You see in verse 26 a conversation between this unbelievable um, uh, uh, thing we call the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Having a conversation. Let's make human beings in our image. Let's make them like us. In Matthew chapter 28, it says, Jesus came and he told his disciples, I have now given all authority in heaven and on earth. I've been given all authority. Therefore, I want you to go and make disciples of all the nations. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Right there, Jesus um, wraps his arms around all three persons of the Godhead. Uh, one of the reasons why here at Big Valley Grace we baptize, you know, three times forward is because we want to give honor, it's kind of in our tradition, the brethren tradition, to honor all three persons of the Holy Trinity. Now, a lot of churches will do it one time backwards in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing evil in that. We just choose here to give honor to the Father, honor to the Son, and honor to the Holy Spirit, because they're all God. They're all equal in, in, in nature. In Acts chapter 5, it says this, but um, we're told about this story. There was a certain man uh, named Ananias, who with his wife, Sapphira, sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount with his wife's consent, and he kept the rest. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not to sell, as you wished. And after selling it, the money also was yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but you were lying to God. And so there we see the great uh, apostle Peter uh, confronting these two people 
who had lied to the Holy Spirit, and then he says, you lied to God. He, he puts the two together. He connects those two um, together. So the Holy Spirit, I want you to know, is God. Number two, the Holy Spirit was proof that Jesus returned to the Father. The Bible says this in John chapter 7, on the last day, the climax, of, uh, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scripture declares, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit that would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered his glory. So the spirit of God at this moment, the Holy Spirit had been given out because Jesus hadn't returned to the Father. In John chapter 16, Jesus said this, he says, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate, that's just another name for the Holy Spirit, won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. So here Jesus tells the guys, hey, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going away. And they're all freaked out. No, 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 don't go, don't go. We don't want you to go. And Jesus says, no, it's better that I go, because if I go, once I get there, then I will send the advocate, the helper, the comforter, the, the, the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 is when it all happens. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where all these guys were sit sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, the one whom Jesus promised. And they began speaking in other languages. There were people there from all different kinds of nations. And now all of a sudden these guys that had never, you know, taken other language classes in school were speaking in these other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And let me give you a great illustration of this. There was a man by the name of uh, Ronald Amston who was a Norwegian explorer in 1911. He, he led an expedition to the Arctic Circle. He was like one of the first guys to ever go there. And when he got there, when he finally arrived, he had taken along some homing pigeons. And he let those homing pigeons go. And those homing pigeons flew all the way to his home where his wife now saw them. And those homing pigeons were proof to his wife that he had gotten there. Ronald had, had told his wife, honey, listen, I'm going to the Arctic Circle. And back then they didn't have, you know, cell phones and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure she was worried. How am I going to know whether he made it or not? And so he came up with this brilliant idea. I'll tell you what, I'll take these homing pigeons. And when I get there, I'll let them go. And they'll show up on the balcony someday, and you'll know I arrived. The giving of the Holy Spirit was proof to all of those guys that were living back then, 2,000 years ago, that Jesus had accomplished what he told them he was going to do. I'm going to the Father. That's where I'm going. And when I get there, boom, you'll know. And here's how you'll know. I'll send you the Holy Spirit. Okay? That makes some sense, doesn't it? Num num number three. 
The Holy Spirit indwells every true believer forever. The Holy Spirit indwells every true believer forever. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus gives us a, an important piece of data about the Holy Spirit. He will be with us, but not only with us, he'll be in us. And if he's in us, then that means he'll be with us, right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the Bible says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? You're, you're it, Christian. The Holy Spirit indwells you if you know him. He goes on to say in chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians, don't you realize that your body is the temple, the house, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't even belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. The reason why God wants you to honor him with this body of yours is because God lives inside of it through his Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 2, Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me through the power of the, the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand that the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is a one-time, forever act that happens at the moment a person receives Jesus Christ into their lives. Okay, If you've invited Christ in your life, but that was a genuine decision, if you've truly given your life over to Christ, at that very moment, God sent his Holy Spirit to indwell you. You've become the temple of the Holy Spirit. He'll never leave you. Doesn't matter what you did last night. Oh, pastor, man, I went out and got drunk last night. It doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit will not leave you. Well, I didn't bring a backpack. So what? The whole, if, if you genuinely received Christ as your Savior, you invited him into your life, he came into your life, and he'll never leave. It's a one-time, forever act. Now, that hasn't always been the case. In the Old Testament, it was different. In the book of Judges, uh, we're, we're given a, an interesting little story of a man by the name of Samson who had a, uh, a babe named Delilah. And it wasn't a good relationship. Even if you're here and you don't know the Lord, you've heard the story of Samson and Delilah, right? Well, Samson was given incredible strength. Uh, the strength was found in his commitment to God, his commitment not to drink wine, his commitment to not cut his hair, those kinds of things. And Delilah was kind of a spy. She, she wanted to know what the secret to Samson's strength was. And uh, once she got the information, she would then pass that on to the bad guys, the Philistines. And Samson kind of kept toying with her and telling her it was one thing and it really wasn't, and he'd tell her another thing and it really wasn't. Well, finally, he breaks down and tells her, you know, what the, what the, you know, the secret was. It was his hair, and so she cuts it off while he's sleeping one night. And, uh, and the Philistines come in and they, they got them all tied up. And this is what it says in verse 19. 
Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. And when he woke up, he thought, you know what, I'll just do as I did before, and I'll shake myself free. This ain't no big thing. I've done this many times. And then it says, but he didn't know, he didn't realize that the Lord had left him. Kind of tragic. In Psalms 51, King David said, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon an individual and would leave an individual. Would come on an individual and leave an individual. That is not true in the New Testament. When Jesus said, I'm going to send you a helper, an advocate, uh, whatever, whatever word your Bible uses, he came into your life and he's there forever. In fact, one of the things we used to do as uh, kids when I was a youth pastor here, I've been here 30 years, was we used to sing a song, create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O oh Lord, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Well, we stopped singing it. Let me tell you why. Not that it wasn't biblical truth. It was biblical truth, Old Testament biblical truth. But every time we sang the song, I had to get up and spend 10 minutes telling all the kids, well, that's not true today. Because I didn't want the kids leaving, having sung scripture, and not knowing the truth, the reality, that times are different now in the New Testament than they were in the Old Testament. So we don't sing that song anymore. Not that it's not truth. It's just that it took too long to kind of put it in its, in, in its context. So in the Old Testament, things were, were different than they are today. T today, the Holy Spirit will never leave you, never. Now, here's the deal. I wanna deal with the why question. Why did God give us the Holy Spirit? Why does the Holy Spirit indwell the, the believer? You know, what, what's the point? And once again, I'm gonna give you four. It, it's, so, it's so much more than this. But, but I, I picked four, okay, number one. God gave you his Holy Spirit to help you navigate life. And I chose that word, navigate. In John chapter 14, once again, the Bible says, if you love me, Jesus said, you'll obey my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. Some of your Bibles say helper. Some of your Bibles say advocate. Some of your Bibles say comforter to be with you forever, right? The spirit of truth. Now, the Greek word there, for the word counselor or helper or comforter or whatever is the Greek word paraclete, which simply means one called alongside to help. It has the idea or the thought of someone who encourages or supports or helps or exhorts another person. And we see a, a great example of what a paraclete is in the movie 42. It's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, it's the story of Jackie Robinson when he broke the, the racial barrier in the major leagues. And uh, wasn't an easy gig for him, to say the least. Uh, the movie captures a little bit of it, but I've read a, a number of books, and it was horrible for him, horrible. Uh, he would go to opposing you know, teams and walk into the stadiums and people would yell crummy names at him and jeer him and boo him and spit on him and, and, and just say some horrible, horrible things. That also happened at home 
when he played home games, he'd walk onto the field and, man, the home team would say horrible things. I mean, just crummy, evil, just evil, evil things about him. Well, there was this one day when um, it's a home game, Jackie Robinson runs onto the field and the you know, crowd was just really going after him. It, it was just really, really crummy. And the Dodgers had a very popular white guy on the team named Pee Wee Reese. And Pee Wee Reese was the shortstop. And Pee Wee Reese is listening to all of this crummy, just vile coming out of the mouth of all these white people in the stands. And he walks over and he puts his arm around Jackie Robinson. And in that moment, Pee Wee Reese became a paraclete. He came alongside this man and, and in essence was saying, I'm with you, man. I care about you. These people may be losers. They're evil, but I'm with you, man. And I'm here to be an encouragement to you. You're, you're not alone, bro. It's a beautiful scene in the movie. It's my favorite scene in the, the movie because it really gives us an idea of what uh, the Holy Spirit is in our life. The whole, God gives the Holy Spirit to us to come alongside of us, to encourage us, to exhort us, to help us navigate life, if you will. Look, here's the deal. When Jesus was down here on planet Earth, he could only be at one place at one time. So if he was hanging out with the disciples and he decided to get in a boat and go out into the middle of the Galilee, guess what? Jesus wasn't on the shore. He wasn't in the presence of the people on the shore. He couldn't be a blessing to the people on the shore. He could not help the people on the shore. He could not encourage the people on the shore. He couldn't exhort the people on the shore because he was out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee on a boat. But when Jesus went to heaven and sent his Holy Spirit, now, Jesus can be not only on the boat in the middle of the Galilee, but he can be on the, the shore of the Galilee because he lives inside of you. It was a far better thing for Jesus to go to heaven because he sent his spirit to be with you forever, to help you navigate life. The Bible says in Matthew 28, we read it a little bit ago, Jesus said, I want you to go and I want you to make disciples of all the nations. I want you to baptize them, right, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all my commands that I've given you. And then he says this, be sure of this. Hey, guys, be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And I'm sure they were probably going, what does that mean? How's that going to work? Especially after he died, huh? And let me tell you something. Here in America, you know, Christian, we got it pretty good. Uh, you know, somebody may call us a Jesus freak. Somebody may call us a right-wing fanatical. Somebody, you know, unfortunately, too many Christians crumple. <laughs> they called me a Jesus freak. It's kind of pathetic. It's really pathetic to be straight up with you. Um, in biblical days, did you know that right now, today, right now, we're all sitting in here, we're enjoying this, got a nice chair, air conditioning, it's kind of cool, we, baptisms, great music and all. There are Christians today over in Iraq and Iran that are dying. They're, right now, they're dead. They've been killed today in 2014 for being a believer. And you're crumpling 
and, 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 and you know, keeping your mouth shut because somebody calls you a Jesus freak or a right-wing fanatical or a hater or whatever. And there are people literally today dying for their faith. Well, back then, when this was written, <laughs> these guys, it wasn't easy. And all of them but one, a guy named John, and his death wasn't all that great, all of them died a horrible death, just simply because they were believers. And it was an important thing that they knew, guys, you're not gonna be alone in this. I'm gonna be with you, I'm the paraclete, I'm gonna be right alongside of you, I'm gonna encourage you, I'm gonna be there with you through this whole thing, you see. And it's important for us to understand this, that God, God has left us the Holy Spirit, believer, to help us navigate life, to be an encourager to us, and all, all that kind of thing. N number two, God gave you his Holy Spirit to help you understand biblical truth. And I wanna unpack something for you here real quick, okay? In Luke chapter 12, Jesus said, to the guys, and when you are brought to trial in synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said, okay? In John chapter 14, Jesus said this, I have told you all these things while I am with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, will teach you everything and will cause you to remember all that I told you. This helper is the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. In John chapter 16, Jesus says, there's so much more that I wanna tell you, but, I, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now, listen to me, I want you to just follow this. And, for some of you, this is gonna go over your heads, but, but I wanna go a little, little deeper. What I think is primarily being said here is this. These men, these original disciples, didn't know a lot of things while Jesus was with them. You obviously see them in the Gospels just struggling with so many things. I mean, you know, just unbelievable. It gives us all hope, right? <laughs> to see these guys just bumbling around, they didn't understand things, and yet God used them in some in, in incredible ways. Um, but they were the ones that actually ended up writing the scriptures. These bumbling, dumb guys, you know, who just didn't get much. They, they wrote the, the New Testament, the Bible. How? How could these uneducated, confused men write the most incredible book ever written? Well, God filled them with the Holy Spirit who then taught them everything God wanted them to know. In other words, what, what Jesus is saying to these men here in these few verses is that when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, their hearts and their minds will be supernaturally filled by the Holy Spirit so that they'll, able, so that they'll be able to produce the New Testament scriptures. That's what's being said there. That, hey guys, look. <laughs> You, you can't listen to any podcast to learn about me. There's no theological books out there that you're gonna be able to read. There's no preachers out there. Uh, I supernaturally, through the Holy Spirit, am are, are, gonna teach you everything you're gonna need to know. When you write these letters, the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit will be upon you. You, 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 you'll, you'll, you, you see that? The Bible says this in 2 Timothy chapter three, that all scripture is inspired by God. See, 
Uh, Peter said it this way in, 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 in 2 Peter chapter 1. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke um, from God. So these men were filled with God's Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit was teaching them so that they in turn could write the Scriptures that we now have Today, does that make some sense? That's what I believe is the primary teaching in those verses. Now with this said, I also think that the Holy Spirit has a role in our own lives today as it relates to understanding uh, the Bible. And here's, here's what I mean. Psalms 119 says this. The psalmist says, open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. Now beloved, he didn't need the Lord's help to read the word. He's not saying, hey, God, my eyes are shut. I got pink eye. Can you open them up so I can read the word? That's not what he's talking about there. He's saying, I, I, I need you to help me understand the word of God. The great Martin Luther said this, the Bible cannot be understood simply by study or talent. You must count only on the influence of the Holy Spirit. And he's absolutely Right. In other words, unless God opens the eyes of your understanding, you'll never understand the scriptures. Never. Just as the, the physically blind person can't see the sun, the spiritually blind person can't see the son of God, if you, if you, if you will. Both of them lack proper illumination. And for you to fully understand the Bible, you have to you know, have the Holy Spirit indwell in you. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. A person who does not have the Spirit does not accept the truths that come from the Spirit of God. That person thinks they are foolish and cannot understand them because they can only judge to be true by the Spirit. In other words, look, here's the deal. Before I gave my life to Christ, and you know, I go down to First Baptist and, you know, um, Pastor Yeager would be preaching away. And I'd just look and go, man, that's just, what? That's stupid. What's he talking about? I didn't get it. But I'd look over next to me, and there'd be a guy next to me going, yeah, right on. Oh, amen, brother. And I'd be going, what? What do you mean, amen, brother? What, wait, I don't even know what he said. That, what, does that make any sense to me? Or I'd go to Modesto Covenant, and Bill Norterfel would be preaching away. And once again, over at that church, people would be going, amen. Oh, that was beautiful. Yes, yeah, sir. And you'd see him taking notes, and I'd be sitting there going, Am I just dumb? I mean, I, I, mean, I, I, I got an education. I'm pretty smart. I, I couldn't get it. And the reason why I couldn't understand it is because I didn't have the Holy Spirit in me. I had to have the Holy Spirit in me to, to um, understand the, these great biblical truths. So God gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can understand biblical truth. But in New Testament times, God gave the men the Holy Spirit so that they could actually write the very words that God wanted them to, to, to write, okay? N number three. God gave you his Holy Spirit as a deposit of your inheritance. And this takes us to our text today. Ephesians chapter one, and now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, when you gave your life to Christ, when you accepted him as your Lord and Savior, he identified you as one of his own. How? 
by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee he will give us the inheritance he promised. Beloved, one of the things that people like, especially in our culture today, is a guarantee. If a company gives you a guarantee, you know, you're more apt to buy their product, right? You feel better about purchasing it, especially if it's a money-back guarantee, right? Well, God's put a guarantee on your life. It's called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a deposit that guarantees that when you die, you'll be in the very presence of God. And that's our great inheritance. The reason why I know God isn't gonna blow me off, you know, there's you know, seven billion people on the planet, and let's just say, I don't know, a billion and a half of them are Christians. That's a lot of people God's gotta keep track of. I can't keep track of four in my family, let alone God trying to keep track of 1.5 billion people. And so I know that God's not gonna be so busy doing stuff that, oh man, I forgot countrymen down there. Forgot to bring them up to my glory. No, 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 he won't forget me. You know how I know he won't forget me? Because he's made a deposit. I have the Holy Spirit in me. I know that when I take my last breath here on planet Earth, my next breath is going to be in glory. It's the great hope that we all have. That is our great inheritance. Now, there are other things, but that's the biggie. And God gave us the Holy Spirit as a deposit on the the great inheritance that we have. Jesus said this in John chapter 3, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish. They wouldn't you know, be separated from God, but they'd have eternal life. And how I know I have eternal life, how Jesus could make that promise was he understood that when somebody invited Jesus into their lives, that the Father was gonna send the Holy Spirit as a deposit. So Jesus could make that, make that promise. That I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna go to that place called hell. I'm gonna spend my eternity in heaven. And heaven's an unbelievable place. And let me just tell you this, real quick. The world has worked really hard to make heaven into a really lame place. All the movies and stuff, I mean, you get this idea that, you know, we're we're gonna have robes on and playing harps and jumping from cloud to cloud. (laughs) I I want you to know, if that was heaven, I, I wouldn't wanna go there. My ADD, I couldn't imagine being on a cloud for all of eternity, jumping around, you know, playing a harp. I go into Gordon's office once a week and he's got this little harp in his office, no joke, he's sitting right back there. And I play that harp and he's jumped out his window. Yeah! I can't play the harp. I can't imagine playing the harp for, you know, all eternity. And then the world makes hell seem like the best place. There's a cool guy with a pitchfork and a Budweiser. <laughs> you know, frankly, if that's the way it was, I'd rather go there. You know, I mean, if that's the way it was. But that ain't the way it is. Now, I don't know what heaven's going to be like. I don't know. Uh, the, the, the writers who tried to write about it went, um, you know, the streets are made of gold. But it's, uh, you can see through the gold. Oh, how does that work? I'm a jeweler. How do you have gold that's see-through? 
You have men that were trying to write about something that's impossible to write about. It'd be like taking Stevie Wonder. If you had the pleasure of meeting with Stevie Wonder, who's been blind, you know, from birth or whatever, and you were trying to explain what the color blue was or what the color yellow was or what the color green, well, Stevie, blue is kind of like, well, uh, how do you do it? There's no, there's no context. It'd be impossible. It is impossible to try to explain what heaven is like. And so you have some guys who, you know, had the privilege of seeing it, but when you read about it, you just go, well, that's weird. Those guys must have been on acid or something. I mean, I mean, what? They're writing about something they, 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 you just couldn't write about. But let me tell you about the greatest thing about heaven. Yeah, you get to see your relatives if they know Jesus there, and that's always a big thing we, see, we talk about at funerals, but that ain't the best thing. The greatest thing about heaven is someday we're gonna be in the very presence of Jesus. We'll be in his presence. And that day's gonna come. That's our great inheritance, you see. And I'm also asked always, you know, what's hell like? Well, there was a few writers that tried to explain what hell was like, even Jesus did. But once again, it's like heaven. How do you explain it? You know, well, it's a place of uh, utter darkness. And another guy, well, it's a place where there's lots of fire. Well, how, how can it be utter darkness if there's fire? They're, they're trying to explain something that you can't explain, but I'll tell you this. The, the, the reason why it's hell is simply because Jesus isn't there. You see, hell is a place where you don't find Jesus. There is no uh, presence of God there. And the Bible says that God is love. And so where you have no presence of God, there is no presence of love. And I couldn't even imagine what it would be like to be in a place where there is absolutely no presence of love, none whatsoever. I'll tell you what that'd make everybody do, gnash their teeth to be in a place where there is no love whatsoever. Ooh. The only reason why we know what love is is because God loved us. Now imagine a place where there's no God, you see? Look, our great inheritance is that we're gonna spend our eternity with the, the Lord. And, and number four, for those of you that need the, the last blank here. <laughs> God gave you his Holy Spirit to empower you to do his will. In Acts chapter one it says, but you will receive power, Christian, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Beloved, one of the things that Paul was concerned about when he wrote this letter was that the Christians in Ephesus didn't understand much about the Holy Spirit, especially the, the power that the Holy Spirit gave them, which is why he prays this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19, and we're going to look at this verse next week, Lord willing. Paul says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heaven, heavenly realms. Look, here's the deal. <laughs> I know that 99.82% of believers don't understand the power that they have within them. 
And how I know that is because I can look at how believers live. We live as if we have no power, and yet Paul says, listen, believer, you need to understand something. I'm praying that you get this whole thing, that the Holy Spirit in you gives you access to God's power. And then he describes that power. He says, let me tell you what that power is able to do. It was able to, to, to take Jesus out of the tomb, raise him from the grave. And now that same power took him and he's at the right hand of the Father. And that power is inside of you. That power it, it lives inside of you that you might accomplish God's will. Last night there's a man that sits right down here and he's involved in nuclear um, uh, power plants and nuclear you know, stuff. And um, if, you, if I tell you what he does, I gotta kill you. Anyway, um, <laughs> If you were to take all the nuclear power plants in our country, and you could somehow get it all to come together down a power line, so you got all this power, and then you had all this power, and then you shot a laser beam onto a dead body. All the power of all the nuclear power plants that we have in our country, that's a lot of power. And that beam of power were to hit a dead body, wouldn't do a thing to it. Burn it up, maybe. The power that you have inside of you is greater than all the nuclear power plants on the planet. And the reason why God gave you that power was so that you could accomplish his will in your life. That's the power that you need. And we run around wanting all these other things and we forget, man, God has given us this incredible power source. But here's the scary thing that you need to understand. If you truly ask Jesus to come into your life, he did. He came into your life. If you have the Holy Spirit, you know, if, when, you know when the Holy Spirit came into your life, he's in your life forever. Someday you're going to go to heaven, all right? In other words, there's nothing you can do to make the Holy Spirit leave you. But listen to me. I'm going to end with this. You can live in such a way that the Holy Spirit has real no, you know, really no impact in your life, no power in your life. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. It's very bizarre. This is just a bizarre passage inspired by the Holy Spirit. He says, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. That's just, that's weird. You and I, we can bring sorrow to God by how we choose to live. We can bring sorrow to God by the choices that we make. See, God is grieved when his children refuse to change their old ways of sin. God is grieved when his children choose sin over righteousness. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, don't put out the Spirit's fire. Now, the Spirit can't leave you, Christian. But you can choose to live in such a way, I can choose to live in such a way that I grieve God. I bring sorrow to God. I, I, I kind of squelch the, the Spirit of God in my life. And when I do that, you know what? All that power doesn't mean a thing. And one of the things I think we all need to do as believers 
is every so often make sure we're examining our lives. Are we living in, you know, am I doing something, God, that bringing sorrow to you? Am I grieving you in some way, God? Am I, am I kind of squelching the, the, the power in my life? I have this barbecue, and I, I don't know how to barbecue. My wife barbecues. I, I, I turn it on. <laughs> That's what I do. That's my role. Hey, honey, go turn on the barbecue. And I do, and then she barbecues everything. I just, I, I just made all the guys in here go, man, that guy's a loser. Like, all right? I, I'm sorry. I just don't know how to barbecue. Anyway, I go out there, and I turn it on. And, and there's a little light. There's a little... Won't do a thing. It's just the little light goes on, the, or the flame. But here's, here's, where, here's where things get really, this is where a man comes in. As I take the knobs, and I turn them up. Okay, that, that could be dangerous. I don't want my wife doing that. I, I, let me handle that. You think it'd blow, and the next thing you know, man, let me be the one who, and it, when I turn up the gas, you see, too many Christians are just that little light, little flame. They're living in such a way that there's just no power, there's no gas, there's no flame. And it's when we go to God and confess our sins, he cleanses us of our sins. He wipes the slate clean. And it's at that moment that the gas gets turned up. And now we have this incredible power source within us that helps us navigate life, helps us do the things that God wants us to do, live the way God wants us to live, be the dads that God wants us to be, be the moms that God wants us to be, be the students that, that God wants us to be, to be the children that God wants us to be. It's only then when we've dealt with the sin in our lives that we truly, wow, start to see some incredible things happen and no longer do we bring sorrow or grieve the, the, the Holy Spirit. Over in the venue, I want you to stand. Everybody here, stand and just close your eyes over in the venue. Close your eyes in here. And Father, I just want to thank you, Lord, for your word. I want to thank you, Lord, for the truth that's contained within it. Man, I've enjoyed everything we've done, God. The singing, the music, the, the baptizing, the, the giving, Lord, the, the backpacks, all the stuff, Lord, your word. Lord, may we be a group of Christ followers that longs to bring joy to you, not grieve you. And so we, may we keep short accounts, God. Thanks for your goodness to us, and I pray these things in your name. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Hey, listen, go grab your children in a real hurry.